Hello, and welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter-by-chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaros. Today, we will be discussing Chapter 10 of Fourth Wing. We do swear, and we are not spoiler-free. Um, okay, so for the battle brief of this week, it'll be short and sweet. Uh, as we all know, Rebecca Yaros is in the midst of writing Empyrean book number three, and she posted a, uh, on her Instagram story um, a screenshot of a song with some lyrics highlighted. So it's Until We Go Down by Ruel. Is that what that is? I believe so. So I still haven't listened to the song. I said I would. I haven't yet. I haven't either, <laughs> to be honest. But the, <laughs> but the lyric she has highlighted is, and I feel it running through my veins, and I need that fire just to know that I'm awake. So this has to be about the venom in some kind of way. I feel it running through my veins. Yeah. I think it has to be about the venom. That makes the most sense. And then it also has a text with it writing vibes and then a cloud with lightning coming out of it. Yeah, so Violet implied there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just getting too antsy for this. I know she's only been writing for a month, so she's probably like barely into it, yeah. like into the book as a whole. But I'm just like, I want it. I want it now. <laughs> I want to know. I want it injected into my veins. I'm just thinking of like in The Simpsons, you know, put it in my veins. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. That's exactly what I want. Um, but yeah, let us know what you guys think the, those lyrics mean. Comment on our Instagram post about what you think they mean. Any theories that you might have. I'm, I'm curious to know. Yes. So last time, Violet and Zayden flirted while sparring, each admitting to themselves that they had feelings for each other. So I am also including, by the way, the Zayden POV chapter where he's saying to himself, oh, I have more feelings for this chick. And Violet's like, oh, I'm attracted to this guy. But no, he's bad. Uh, (laughs) Afterwards, um, Violet spends some time with Dane in his room. Where Dane, once again, tries to convince Violet to make a run for the scribe quadrant. Violet again refuses, but tells Dane that she will consider it because he pulls that dick card of do it for me, Violet. Yes. And I am sorry Mm. to say we get more of Violet wanting Dane in this chapter. But that's not how we start. So to start, the opening blurb here is for chapter 10. Don't underestimate the challenge of the gauntlet, Mira. It's designed to test your balance, strength, and agility. The times don't matter for shit. Only that you make it to the top. Reach for the ropes when you have to. Coming in last is better than coming in dead. And that is from page 46 of the book of Brennan. So I found that interesting because he's Brennan here is basically saying the same thing as Zayden. Like, doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you make it. Doesn't even matter if you come in last. Mm-hmm. Which is at odds with what some other people say. Yeah. In this I'm, chapter. Yeah. But it, it all that matters is that you make it. Yeah, all that matters is that you don't die. Like, that's just, that's the whole only thing that matters in the entirety of the Riders Quadrant is just don't die. <laughs> don't die. That that's... should be rule number one in the, the Riders Codex. Right? I mean, that's why Violet always tells herself, I will not die today. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so we start with Violet looking up at the gauntlet, absolutely terrified. 
And the gauntlet is described as a menacing obstacle course that's carved into the front of a ridgeline so steep it might as well be a cliff. The zigzagging death trap of a trail raises above us, climbing in five distinct switchbacks of 180 degree turns, each increasing difficulty on the way to the top of the bluff that divides Citadel from the flight field and the Vale. So that's nice. If it's like a realistic version of Wipeout or Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Or American Ninja Warrior. I have those exact notes on my side, too. Yeah. Like, the last part, the ramp, remind, it's just American Ninja Warrior. Oh, yeah, 100%. I thought about that, too. <laughs> I totally thought about that. And then the spinning wood things that come out and hit you, that is just, like, Wipeout, 100%. Oh, yeah. Except, <laughs> except this will kill you. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll also, we've shared it before, but we'll kind of refresh your memory. We have a picture on our Instagram of mm. what the course actually looks like. So if you're having trouble visualizing it, take a look at that, and that should help you with it. Yes, and we also have written on there the user on Reddit who created that, so all credit to them, because like I had the most trouble um, visualizing this in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really useful, that little graphic. So maybe I'll post it again with this week's show notes. Yeah. Um, it's also got fun little, like, human, like, graphics. Like, the little people writing on it are kind of cute and funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so Orly seems excited about the gauntlet. She says she's waited years, which is interesting because even Rhiannon seems to be phased by, like, the sheer scale of this setup. Yeah, they both but- look at her like she's crazy. <laughs> yeah like she has like two heads or something um but apparently orly's dad who is also a rider used to set up obstacle courses to replicate the gauntlet so that she and her brother could practice and then orly's brother chase is also a rider have we ever met him no i didn't think so no but he's gone and graduated yeah so it says her brother is stationed near the Crowland border and there's just like lots of detail for a random person. So I wonder if we're ever going to meet him. Because I'm like, why are we Ooh. naming random characters and saying where they're stationed? Yeah, I wonder if maybe he'll kind of be like Sloan where he blames Violet for Orly's death. Maybe. Because Violet I don't know. didn't I just catch thought, her. I just thought I was like, it's a lot of random detail on just a person that we don't really care about. I feel like though Rebecca does that a lot. Like, yeah, we get a lot of detail about characters we meet like once or twice. Like, like in the next chapter, um, there's a character who we, as far as I know, only meet this once, and they get like a full description. Yeah. Um. So apparently, like uh, Sam and I are talking about before, the wooden posts that jet out from the side of the cliff can spin, and you can get crushed between them if you're not fast enough. So this is where I said it's like a very brutal game of wipe out mm-hmm. just like the red things that come out and punch people off of the <laughs> off of the stand sorry i just like i know Wipeout. i just i always used to watch the most extreme elimination challenge which is the japanese show that they dubbed in the states but they did the dub not accurate it was just kind of having fun with it so that's oh. where, that's where Mindbringer is. If you if you're not familiar, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Go watch it. It's hilarious. Um. So at this point, Violet's sta- standing there, craning her neck, staring up at the gauntlet, and she is considering Markham's offer to go to the Scribe Quadrant because she's like, they don't they don't do this in the Scribe Quadrant. 
There is no death gauntlet in the Scribes Quadrant. Or anywhere else. It's just so, like... The Griffin Riders don't do this shit either. It, yeah, it just I was going to say it reminds me of when in, in Iron Flame, the Griffin Riders talking about how they jump off the cliff. And then if the Griffin catches you, then you're paired or whatever. And then Violet's like, and, and if you don't, then you die. And they're like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> you just go do something else. <laughs> you just land in the water and then swim to shore. Like, what? <laughs> And there's American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> um, so apparently Tynan has become friends with Seifert and Barlow. As we know, Seifert is the first one that Violet poisoned on yeah. the mat. Warren. And then obviously we, know, obviously know, we know who Jack Barlow is. So he's being a dick. Tynan's being a dick to everyone else in this squad. Um. So then we learn that you are scored as a squad on the gauntlet, and that's how the order for presentation is decided. Like, do you think that actually matters? No. Like, if a dragon's going to bond you, they're going to bond you. It doesn't matter when you go out there. Yeah. No. I don't think it matters. I think a lot of what they think matters doesn't actually seem to matter, at least according to the dragons that we've become familiar with. Maybe there's, yeah. Maybe they're just different, but I don't know. I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> I agree. So they're all discussing why it's called the gauntlet. But Pre- Professor Emeterio says it's called the gauntlet because this is the cliff that guards the veil. Plus, actual gauntlets, the armored gloves made of metal, are slippery as hell. And the name stuck about 20 years ago. So what do you think it was called before that? Ooh, that is a very good question. Just an obstacle course? Yeah. They don't really have creative <laughs> names for things, you know? It's presentation. <laughs> Threshing. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think it'd be something, it would just probably be like challenge or something. Yeah, course, training course. Training course. Probably. They're not very creative. No. So the whole squad of nine people has an hour to get to the top before another squad gets to practice. So that's just over six minutes per person, which gives you about just over a minute per section. That seems not like a lot. I mean, frankly, doing this thing timed at all is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I would be. Yeah, it, it just seems crazy. Um, so hand-to-hand challenges are on hold for the next two and a half weeks before presentation. And we learn that Violet Squad is the only squad to remain intact since the parapet. But that does not last for long. Nope. (laughs) Doesn't even last for the next hour. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, you know, he should have knocked on wood. Yeah, I blame that on Professor Emeterio. (laughs) It is his fault. You know, he tempted fate. Malik and Sinal said, you know what? Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like that at all. So nope. we're going to kill uh, one or a bunch of you in the next couple chapters. Poor Orly. Uh, so at this part, Tynan throws out that Dane is especially proud of Violet and says, like it doesn't bother any of you that our squad leader is fucking one of us. And Violet puts him in his place and is like, it's straight up none of your business. Uh, and then Violet thinks, if she's going to be accused, she at least wants some of the perks. Vomit. Ugh. Vomit. Because she's like, oh, what Dane would tell me if he liked me, wouldn't he? 
Oh, Violet. I can't wait. I cannot wait for that, that when Dane kisses her after she bonds and she's just like, I didn't like that. N- not at all. It's pretty great. <laughs> Especially from the Zayden POV chapter when he describes it as she looks like she just kissed her cousin, I think it was. Yes. Yes, it was her cousin. And it, it's just too funny. Dane and Violet are too like brother sister for that to to work like yeah and i honestly i honestly think if they had played if they had played it that way from the start i wouldn't be so annoyed with dane like if it was set up as like a brother sister relationship i think i'd be less annoyed i don't know he's still annoying <laughs> i'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt to all the zayden or zayden dane apologists out there i'm throwing you guys a bone you really shouldn't. <laughs> so apparently Tynan didn't know that Violet and Dane have been friends since forever because Jack's been telling him that they're sleeping together. And like, how the fuck would Jack know? Like, Jack's just looking for some reason that Violet's still alive and it can't possibly because she's like, she's good enough to survive on her own. So well, he has to make these stories up. Right. And also Dane is like, a moron and like every time Violet's like you're making a scene you're making it look like you know something else and he's just like I don't care and so that's how these rumors get started she's like everyone can tell that you care about me and he's like no they can't that or he's like I do care about you but Mm, yeah not like that (sighs) fuck off Dane so Violet thinks that Dane would take offense to this assumption uh, but then she has a thought. She's like, well, Zayden would just beat the shit out of him. And she's like, well, why? Why would I <laughs> Why would I even compare the two? We know why, Violet. We do. We know why. And it's also not wrong. Yeah, this is... I don't actually... Would Zayden care if people knew that he was sleeping with Violet? Like, I don't think he cares. No, I don't think he would care. I Although, think I, I guess it, I guess it's the implication that she's getting special treatment because she's sleeping Yes, that's the part that Zayden would care about. There we go. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, now we're switching our attention back to the gauntlet. So, Sawyer tells us, because he would know, because he made it past this part last year, he says that there are ropes every six feet that run from the top of the sheer cliff side to the bottom. If you fall, you can grab one and you would lose 30 seconds on your time, but it's better than dying. My question to you is, could you just swing Tarzan style across all these ropes and then just make it to the top and you'd still be last, but you wouldn't have to go through any of the <laughs> any of the sections? That'd be kind of baller. <laughs> that would be really cool, but I feel like your hands would get so tore up. <laughs> like, I mean, Violet wouldn't be tore worth up. It. Violet's hands are tore up when she does this, at, for, like, actually at the end anyway. So, uh, who even knows? I don't know. <laughs> so, they're all getting ready to, uh, squad's getting ready to take their turn on the gauntlet. And the 15-foot log at the start of the uphill climb begins to spin. The pillars on the third ascent shake. The giant wheel on the first switchback starts its counterclockwise rotation. And those little posts Orly mentioned, they all twist in opposite directions. This sounds horrific. Like, I would for sure die. Yes. Also, how are they making this all happen? Are they using magic? Like, is someone signet for this? How is How are they making that work? I have to think it's like a metal contraption, like inside the mountain. Because we know someone who can work metal like this, right? Yeah, I guess. 
So I have to think it's a similar signet to that. Okay. Because it's all, is it all wood or is it different materials? It's, uh, well, there's iron bars and then there's like buoys and then there's wood posts and stuff. But I'm thinking the things that actually stick into the cliff, like say it's a wood thing, right? That's sticking out. I'm Mm -hmm. saying the part that actually has that wood sticking into the cliff is some kind of metal that someone can manipulate and control. Mm. So that there's like a contraption inside the cliff side. That's the only way that it works in my brain. Yeah. Uh, Do you think you'd be able to do this? Fuck no. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No. All right, let me tell you something. So at work, I am on the fifth floor. And so yesterday, my coworker and I needed to take something to the mailroom, which is on the first floor. We took the stairs down. And in our infinite wisdom, we took the stairs up. Mm -hmm. My thighs were in so much pain. (laughs) There is no way in hell that if I could barely even do that, (laughs) that I could do this. I am just straight up. I have no upper body strength. So anything that would make me like swing across something like the metal bars or whatever, I would be falling off. I would be dying. And then even if I did somehow make it to the ramp at the end, there, mm-hmm. I, there's no way I could pull my body weight up and over. There's just no, no way. Like to have like that <laughs> amount of strength left over after doing this entire fucking course? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this the way it's described like here in a second, like... A piece of granite falls through it and it gets pulverized. <laughs> I know. And it's granite. Um, so Emeteria says each of the five ascents are designed to mimic um, the challenges that the cadets will face in battle. So, for example, like balance, strength, and stamina. I think there are other ways to test these things, but, you know, that's just me. They already did balance on the parapet. Why are they doing it again? <laughs> and I would think strength and stamina are also being tested in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Um, so I think we just, get mention- they just want to kill people, clearly, in this quadrant. Yeah. Um, we also get a mention of a character named Trina. I don't think we've ever heard about her before. Probably not because she's the quietest. I was just I was just gonna say I was gonna say it makes sense if we have it because Violet says she's the quietest in the squad. Mm-hmm. Um But she's Violet says if she, or she thinks if she doesn't have if she didn't have friends in first wing, I'd worry. But she doesn't have to open us to survive the quadrant. This is true. Like you can just be introverted or not like the people in your squad doesn't mean that you're friendless. Yeah, so, I mean, she has friends in the first swing, so that's fine. It's kind of like if you're friends with kids from a different school. Um, so we learned that if you don't make it, you don't go to presentation. But I have a question for you. Hmm. How, so how does, the, how does this work? Like, say you fall off, like you don't make it, but you don't die. Do you just go through again next year? I mean, I don't see how you could fall and not die. But I mean, say you make it up to the point where there's the the ramp at the end and you literally can't get up. Oh, I don't know. Like, you just stand there? <laughs> it, yeah, because that's not a dress. It's always just if you don't make it, you die. Yeah, but I'm like, say you make it to that part and then you actually can't finish. Like, what happens? Hmm. Maybe they'll just have a dragon come eat you. Maybe. Or maybe they just push you off. Yeah. Like, if they don't, maybe another cadet will just to help make the time better. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, true. Um, so Sawyer goes first and we get a description of how he makes it through all of the areas and then he makes it all the way up. I think it would be fairly embarrassing if he didn't, seeing as he did do this last year. I know. So I'm I'm happy for him that he made it on his first try. <laughs> yes. Did he have to like redo it like for every single practice? Because they end up doing like this ten times. Ten, ten times. I would assume so. Because you're trying to get a faster and faster time. That'd be so I hard. would think he he's done this twenty times total. Oof. Yeah. Um, That'd be twenty two times, right? Because you'd have the final one oh, for yeah. each one. Yep, you're right. Twenty two times. So while Sawyer is at that final um American Ninja Warrior ramp style thing, Violet notices that she is too short for the ramp. And I think at this point Rhiannon is also concerned about mm-hmm. this but she doesn't let on like she's just like but you're really fast like if you get your momentum you'll be able to do it i just don't think that's true i think if you don't have the the wingspan to reach like you're never gonna be able to i don't know like momentum can do some crazy things so and so can adrenaline yeah so maybe i don't know but we know by the end of this that by the end of the practices she's never even made it that far to try um so they're all going one after the other and tynan's tynan goes and then he gets stuck on one of the the hanging buoy balls and he's just like not just not letting go (laughs) so violet's trying to encourage him which is more than i would be doing if i were her like i would just be watching him fall off honestly i would kind of be laughing at him because it says that he's shrieking which would be kind of funny from a dick you know (laughs) Yeah, you you would be Riddick right here. I, I 100% would be Riddick. I would What's just the be... matter, Tynan? Scared of heights? Who's the liability now? Yeah, that 100% <laughs> would be me. Not gonna lie. <laughs> and then Violet tells Riddick, okay, don't, like, just because he's being a dick, you don't have to be. And Riddick says, but he's giving me so much material to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I do like also Violet's noted, notice, bleh. Violet notes here that Riddick has gained uh, muscle. Like, he's not as lean. He's he's filling out. Yeah. Um, so Violet shouts up to Rhiannon um, that there's a rope. And so Rhiannon does, like, uh, like, an impossible, like, crazy maneuver. And she gets the rope to Tynan. But Tynan doesn't even try to use the momentum to move on. He just, like, climbs back down. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is really funny. <laughs> I like how Violet's like just jaw literally drops. <laughs> yeah, my jaw practically unhinges as he descends. Um, so after that happens, then it's Violet's turn. So she makes it across a spinning log onto the first set of granite columns. And then she makes it past those as well. Um, she then works the timing well and makes it past the spinning wheel, which all I can think of when I think of the spinning wheel is like in those fun houses where mm. you get like stuck in the barrel but i don't think that's what this is <laughs> oh is that what it's supposed to be like i don't think so but that's what i picture i need to look at that picture again yeah i think it's you're inside but like it's spinning around you and like you're on a stationary platform kind of like a uh, like a and water- then you have to jump out yeah. yeah like a water wheel but like you're in the in, in the inside part that makes sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. I just keep on picturing it like a giant barrel roll, <laughs> which is less intimidating. Um, 
So as she's making her way through, Violet begins talking to herself again, just like she did on the parapet. Mm-hmm. So this time, we learn about the dragons. So feather-tailed dragons are the breed we know the least about. And this is clearly foreshadowing to Andarna. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says, this is because feather-tails reportedly abhor violence and are not suitable for bonding. Though the scholar, <laughs> Though this scholar cannot be certain as one has never left the veil within my lifetime. Yeah, although um, teenage Andarna certainly does not abhor violence. Oh, no. Teenage Andarna <laughs> wants to go fuck shit up. <laughs> she, 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 she wants she's to like eat a, her allies. She's like a little scrappy do, you know, let me at him, let me at him. Yeah, we do not eat our allies. So while Violet's thinking about the feather tails, she makes it across the buoys. And then she moves on to thinking about green dragons. Okay. And then we we have a word here. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So this is U-A-I-N-E-L-O-I-D-S-I-G. And so from all of my research, what I could find is Uinyalodshe. Yeah, I think that's how um, she says it in the TikTok video. And that's my best try, and I'm only going to say it once. That was really good. <laughs> I think you got it. Um, so that means green logic. And that makes sense because Violet says they're mo- mo- the most rational of dragon kind. Yes. Let's just go back to um, when she was thinking about the feather tails, though. Like, this just once again demonstrates, like, how little people know about dragons. Like, mm-hmm. what like what dragons don't want people to know. Like, the people in the Rider's Quadrant think that they're experts. And they are not. Like, they're not even close. No, like they think they're born with their tails, like, you know, like the club tail or sword tail. Like they think they're born with that and that makes them a separate like subspecies of their color. So we continue on. We go go talk talk about orange dragons. Orange dragons are the most unpredictable of dragon kind. This also makes sense because that's who Jack bonds with is an orange dragon. I like how, sorry, um, I like how she mentions the different shades of the orange dragons. We don't really get that mm. with the other kinds of dragons, just with the orange dragons here. Apricot to carrot. Yeah. yeah. An apricot dragon would be so pretty. I would. It's almost pinkish. Yes. I would like that. So Violet moves on to iron bars, which I, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm kind of picturing these as like monkey bar type thing like a ladder type iron thing? yeah like iron rails yeah kind of like yeah hand over hand because she's not putting her feet anywhere so yeah why aren't why doesn't she put her feet on there i don't think or is it like just like a steel rod that you I have think to they're go just, they're just rod they're just rods like you have to swing from one to the next right like kind of like there's just a rod sticking out there's no ground you just have to swing like and like swing from one to the next, kind of grab onto the next one. You know what I mean? Kind of like a monkey bar-ish type situation, I think. Once again, we should really look at that picture. I should have. Violet almost slips off the iron bars, but she grabs onto a rope before she falls. Mm-hmm. And at, by this point, Orly is caught up with Violet. She talks about how much fun she's having. Famous last words. Famous last words. <laughs> Literally almost. 
I do like um, Violet's like resolve. She's like, I've survived seven weeks in this damn quadrant. <laughs> I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Violet, she does not give up easily. That's for sure. Okay. No. Okay, so I'm looking at. It is kind of just like bars, one at one after each other, going in an upward trajectory that you have to like climb along. Okay. Just looking at the picture. Got it. Um, okay. So Violet makes it past the spinning wooden wooden post that Orly was talking about earlier that can crush you. But um Orly doesn't. <laughs> she gets hit by a post in the stomach and falls halfway down the cliff. Now, do you think that she was distracted from the green dagger tail that flew directly overhead. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because, like, Violet gets distracted by it, too. I mean, if you're doing this course and all of a sudden a dragon flies over you roaring, yeah, you're going to look up at it. Yeah. So, yeah, bye-bye, Orly. It's very sad. So, um, we come back during the death roll the next morning. The amount of death is affecting Violet more and more as she gets to know her fellow cadets. There's only about 20, between 20 and 30 of them left now. And when they read Violet's, or when they read Orly's name, Violet cries a little. She wipes it away and then she accidentally cut, gets one of her scabs open and uh, she bleeds and she just lets it stay there. It's very, very sad. Uh, I think she wanted to be able to kind of like feel something and she wants the blood. She says she wants the blood to stain her. And I think that's because she feels super guilty about not being able to save Orly. Because when Orly falls, Mm -hmm. Violet lunges for her and like tries to catch her and like looks Orly in the eyes as she's falling. And we know that Violet has a very similar moment in Iron Flame. With one of the Griffin Riders, mm-hmm. who falls off a, a similar cliff. Yeah, I forget it, Lulu. I think. Yeah, Lou? The, yeah, it was Lulu. I think that sounds right. Yeah, or was it Luellen? Luann? Lou? It's Lou something. Lou. Yeah, and it's just it's very sad. It's very heartbreaking, and it affects Violet very deeply. She's a pretty empathetic person, honestly. Yeah, like, and she's not getting used to the death. No. Like, you would think you would become desensitized to it. I think it's having the opposite effect on her. And we know later in the book when she thinks she kills Jack, like, mm-hmm. the profound impact that that has on her mentally. Yeah. So, we learn that Orly's family has chosen not to collect her body or her belongings, which is super sad to me. I'm yeah. not sure. Sh- I don't know if it's out of pain or if they're kind of of the mindset that she, yeah, like she dishonored them since. I think her. they're embarrassed because her family are writers. Yeah. She's been practicing this since she was a kid and mm. she couldn't make it even in a practice run. Like the very first practice run she died. Like, I think they're probably embarrassed. Which is sad. Yeah, that's awful. So Violet feels that it's her duty to burn Orly's belongings for her since she was the last person Orly saw. Dane offers to go with her, which Violet declines. She wants to do this by herself. 
Violet also shares with Dane that she also didn't make it all the way up the course and that she got stuck at the chimney formation. Yeah, now the chimney, let me just go back to my reference picture. It's also giving American Ninja Warrior vibes, like when they have to starfish. You put your two hands on each side and your two feet on each side and you kind of just like climb up that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, once again, I, I would not be able to do. No. So, Violet then... I, go ahead. If we ever get a chance to interview Rebecca Yaros, I need to ask her if American Ninja Warrior was the inspiration for this particular... <laughs> right? Scene. <laughs> if they do another, like, AMA or whatever on that Facebook group, we should definitely get that in there. A hundred percent. I am so curious. It just has so many similar elements. I'm like, she can't have not taken inspiration from it. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm almost. I'm, ha- I'm almost. Um, I would have thought she would have also include. There's that one thing in there where it's like the ladder type thing where they have the bar, and they have to like jump it up like rung by rung. I forget what they actually call that. It's some sort of like ladder though. Um, yeah 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 that seems like that would have been in this too honestly (laughs) so um violet heads off with orly's heavy pack and feels as if she's carrying orly herself violet gets to the burn pit which is really just a burn barrel she manages to throw orly's pack into it and then tells orly that she's sorry she has so much guilt she really does and I can understand why she feels that guilt, honestly. Is it misplaced? Yeah. Yes, but it's also a very real thing to be experiencing. So I also Yeah. Like uh how Dane's like, I should have been there. Like what 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 would he have done? Jack squat. Like <laughs> he couldn't run the gauntlet with Violet. Like what could he have done? Yeah. Yeah. So Violet stays up on the turret and just kind of looks out at the gauntlet. And she's just kind of, she's very introspective right now. Uh, She hears the curfew bell and decides to start heading back. Her thoughts are still kind of going. And just so we know where we are time-wise, it's been a full two months since Parapet. And so if you think about it, we've had... What was it, 80-some people cross parapet at the beginning? 301 of you have survived the parapet to become cadets today. But then three people get burnt. So there's 298 at the end of the day okay. of the parapet. And then by presentation day, 169. That's a lot of death. Yeah. Too much in just two months. And we know there's only 100 dragons willing to bond. Yep. Although by the time we get to threshing, more have been burnt. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so. Yeah. Violet is just kind of. She's going back and forth in her head. And if, you know, she should be here, if she should go to the scribe quadrant, she's just kind of, she's got a lot on her mind. Um, So she's walking back after the curfew bell goes she goes through the courtyard and while she's doing that um she sees three people coming back into the courtyard and since it's late she decides to hide and see who it is because she's a curious nosy person (laughs) same same yeah yeah 
Turns out it's Zayden, Garrick, and Bodie. Bodie is arguing with Zayden that there must be more they can do, which is probably referring to the fight with the Venom. Mm-hmm. Garrick says they're doing everything they can, and then Zayden freezes, realizing that Violet is nearby. Um, instead of being afraid, Violet feels anger. She's just basically like, if he's going to kill me, just get it over with. I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> Bold. Bold choice, Cotton. Let's see it pays, if it pays off. <laughs> <laughs> and really, it's just her emotions are just high. And she's looking for an outlet after burning mm-hmm. Orly's things. She's just... She's just she's not, picking a fight. Yeah, because she's yeah. just not in a very stable emotional place right now. Yeah. Zayden orders Garrick and Bodhi to go on without him, using his, you know, princely voice. Um, <laughs> and uh, waits for the courtyard to clear out, and then he turns to face Violet. Violet calls him out for knowing she's there, and basically tells him that she's in a bad mood. <laughs> At least she warns him. He asks her if she is going to ask him where he's been. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. Um <laughs> <laughs> To which she says no, and she doesn't care. Zayden cocks his head and remarks that she really doesn't, most likely using his second signet there. Oh. Because he cocks oh, his head, like and he's like, you really don't, do you? So like, Oh, he's, I don't like that. I mean, it, it makes the most sense, though, right? It makes sense that he would be wondering right now because he's concerned that she's going to tell about this situation. So they banter a bit about if he's going to kill her or not, with Violet ending it by just saying she just wants to know what her chances are. Zayden, of course, acts as if she's hitting on him, which she gets mad about and tries to leave. He grabs her wrist to stop her, um, but light enough to not hurt her. His touch makes her physically react because she can't help herself. Mm Mm-hmm. And he asks her again what she means. She doesn't answer. And then he again says, no, you're going to tell me. And the Violet notes that he smells good, like mint and leather and something between citrus and floral. Um, I just want to go back to when um, he says, what are you doing after for curfew first year? And she says, debating running away. And she asks him and he's like, the same and i like i don't think he's lying no. <laughs> at that point <laughs> no like. yeah i'm sure he would like to she then just kind of blows up on him and vents everything saying that she's not she's gonna survive and that she can't make it up the gauntlet and she goes on saying that the problem with the quadrant is hope and she knew that they're coming there was a death sentence but she couldn't ignore her mother's order Zayden responds that she could, but she wouldn't like the consequences. <laughs> um, Although, like, later in the year, she does break into her mother's own office. <laughs> she does. Uh, Violet rolls her eyes at him, but at the same time, leans into him. Uh, she goes on to say that since she had made it so far, she had started to become hopeful. And then Zayden correctly points out to her that now that she's lost a squad mate and hit a major obstacle on the gauntlet, she wants to give up. And then he's like, but if you run up, want to run off to the scribe quadrant, Violet is shocked that he knows that for some reason. 
I mean, everybody knows at this point that she was trained for the scribes and not the writers, but okay. Um, yeah, I didn't think that was a secret. Like, she's been no. telling people that. Yeah. She's just like, oh, how do you know that? It's like, really? <laughs> I think she's just, I don't know, weirded out that he's paying attention to her. But, like, why, would she, why wouldn't he? Oh, I think, now look at it again. I think she thinks that Zayden knows about Dane's plan to get her to the scribe quadrant. Oh. Because she says, if he knows, if he tells, Dane is in danger. Who cares? Right? <laughs> so he, uh, Zayden then tells her that his shadows hear and see everything and can conceal anything. And then promptly wraps them in shadow. Violet tells him that her mother would reward him for telling her about Dane's plan. To which Zayden retorts that Lilith would reward Violet for telling her about his club, quote-unquote. Violet defensively says she wouldn't do that, and Zayden says he knows, and that's why she's still alive, which we all know is a lie. Plus, wouldn't that still be a reason to kill her so his secret dies with her? Yeah. I just, yeah. If you're really that concerned, yeah. Yeah. But he's in love. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of shows it here. Uh, he tips his hand a bit because he gives her a pep talk, points out how she's been defying the odds already. And then he, which I think is really cute, he ha- gives her a hug with his shadows and then he has yes. them caress her cheek. And it's just, mm. it's really sweet. Unfortunately, mm. Violet is so pissed off she doesn't care and then just leaves. <laughs> Yeah. I think if she hadn't been pissed off, it would this would have ended uh very differently. So Ooh, maybe Zayden uh follows her as she's walking away and tells her that if she stopped wallowing in her self pity, she'd figured out that she has what she needs to succeed at the gauntlet. Violet is surprised about the self pity part, to which Zayden gives an excellent speech. He says, people die. It's going to happen over and over again. It's the nature of what happens here. What makes you a writer is what you do after people die. You want to know why you're still alive? Because you're the scale I currently judge myself against every night. Every day I let you live, I get to convince myself that there's still a part of me that's a decent person. So if you want to quit, then please spare me the temptation and fucking quit. But if you want to do something, then do it. I just think that's a really great, like, speech. Uh, Violet apparently doesn't think so and just hisses, I'm too short to span the distance. And then Zayden says our tagline, the right way isn't the only way. Figure it out. And then he just leaves. (laughs) He knows how to make an exit and an entrance. He really does. Although the last sentence of the chapter, though, is fuck him. Yep. <laughs> and that's how we end. Great. I love this chapter. It's pretty great. Good. So we have a couple of questions to look at in the assembly meeting from our Discord. Um, so Kendra asks, why do you think they call it the gauntlet? I think we kind of covered that one already. Yeah, it, we covered it earlier in the 
chapter. They mention it's because I forget why now. We just talked about it. It guards the it's the thing that guards the veil and like yes. it's like slippery and Yes. Yeah. And then Marguerite asks, knowing what we know now, do you do you see the correlation to how the chorus runs with actually getting on a dragon at threshing? Do you think anything should be added to the course? We also kind of talked about this before. Like, I think definitely the ramp at the end it does mimic actually getting onto a dragon. Because we know that Violet can never actually scale Tarn. Like, no. <laughs> she needs help. Yeah. But she very kindly um, does. <laughs> yeah. Should anything be added? I feel like maybe... Like... You know how there's like those rocking bowl type things? Like maybe something like that. Oh. Because like yeah, well, when you're there's nothing on the actually dra- staying seated. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because like once you're on, these are all about getting on the dragon, but once you're actually on, like that's what kills half of the cadets as they fall off. So that would just be my only suggestion is something like a rocking bowl thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this mimics riding a dragon, like, at all. Like, the way that Violet describes riding a dragon later on is not at all like the gauntlet. Like. No. Although I suppose it could be useful if you're fighting, like, off of your dragon. Like, this kind of agility and skill. I think the the quadrant just keeps wanting to kill people because they want the quote-unquote best... And that's how they view that is just killing off the weak. You're not wrong. I just think, like, I don't know. I think it's really fun visually. There's a lot of interesting things. Once again, I recommend you go check out that picture that we posted of the gauntlet that was drawn. I think it's a useful tool because I couldn't picture it in my mind before Mm -hmm. I saw this picture. So what have you been doing for the last week? Oh, I guess we have both been. So last week on January 30th, House of Flame and Shadow by Sarah J. Maas got released. So, yes. Um, as of this recording, I'm about halfway through. Sam, I don't think you've really started. I read the prologue. Yeah. And then I stopped because A, I didn't have time. And then... B, I heard that you kind of need to have read the Throne of Glass series as well as the Akatar series to fully understand and appreciate this book. And I have not finished the Throne of Glass series. I've only read like two books in it. And there's like eight, yeah. I think. Is it eight? Yeah. Okay. So um, I decided to put it on hold so I could go back and do that. But the prologue was really good. Yeah, I mean, I liked the first part. Once I got to the second part, I was kind of underwhelmed. But I've also kind of been grumpy this week. So I was saying beforehand that might be playing a role in my mood. So once I finish, maybe I'll have a different review. But... That has been consuming most of the discourse online, like in all, mm-hmm. most of the discords that I'm in. It's just been all House of Flame and Shadow. It's really all that anyone can talk about this last week. So I've been trying to dodge spoilers until I make it to the end. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I've been pretty successful so far. I haven't seen anything. Well, that's so, good. 
Yeah. Um, other than that, um, I've season seven of the Office Superfan episodes came out, which I then realized I apparently missed the season six episodes coming out. So <laughs> uh, we've been watching those. And then this past uh, Thursday, we had an open house at our cat cafe. We Yay. had uh, about five vendors that we spaced throughout the place. And then we were also selling some stuff ourselves. And we did great in sales. Our vendors did great in sales. We had probably around 100 or so people come. So it was pretty great. It was a good night. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. How about you? I've I've been doing nothing. I've been stressed at work and that's consumed me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um hopefully this next week I'll get to do more free time stuff. But anyways, um we hope you liked our two episodes last week. Uh the bonus episode I thought was pretty fun to record. Yeah. Um be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. That really helps us be more vi- visible to others and get recommended to others on the um, podcast apps. So that would be great if you could give us a quick um, rating. Uh, you can find us our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast, and you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. And be sure to join our Discord. It's a lot of fun, and a link will be posted on our Instagram. And I just want to quickly apologize for not updating the Instagram for the last little bit. Like I said, I've been very busy at work, but I will be back to a regular posting schedule uh, come this Tuesday when this episode drops. It's all good. So thank you all again so much for listening. And as Zayden just said, remember, the right way isn't the only way. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music.